to 10-0, the podcast by Train Like a Gymnast. I'm your host, Danielle Gray. 10-0 brings together gymnasts, former gymnasts, coaches, judges, and gymnastics enthusiasts to delve into deep conversations about behavior, mental state, physical training, personal growth, success, and more, all learned through the sport of gymnastics. Here's what you can expect on today's episode. Today we hear from Lisa Rastelli-Visco, a pole dancer and former ballet dancer, about smart and effective training and recovery as we get older, as well as how her relationship with nutrition has transformed over the years. I weighed 80 pounds when I graduated high school, and my legs were, were starting to lose strength. So I joined a gym to actually get stronger, and that's when I started getting interested in like weightlifting and and so that changed my perception of nutrition because when you're weightlifting and bodybuilding, your nutrition plays like such a huge role. And right. I started to understand really how important food was and not just food, but good nutrition. At this point, I pretty much know what I have to do. You know, if I exert myself in a certain way, I have to do this, this, and this. And as I've gotten older, it's absolutely crucial for recovery. I mean, if I don't eat well, I don't recover. But first, a word from our sponsor. All right, my name's Lisa Visco. I am a pole dancer over 50, just turned 51. Um, my previous, um, or my background, I guess, is in dance predominantly. I was a ballet dancer as a, a younger woman. Um, and then I got into competitive bodybuilding mm. for a short period of time. This is a long time ago, but competitive bodybuilding. So that kind of led into like a lifelong um, pursuit of fitness. Like I stayed in fitness after bodybuilding. Um, I did stop dancing for a brief period of time, but had a hard time kind of re-entering mm. um, at a certain point. But um, but also trained in yoga and subsequently Pilates. So it's been um, a lifelong yeah journey, journey yeah. Of, of fitness. Yeah. That brought me to pole. When you say it was hard for you to get back into dance, what was hard about that? I think probably I, I really felt like I didn't have a place anymore. You know, um, at that time too, so I'm 51. So uh, we're talking about 30 years ago. It was um, younger dancers were a little bit more prevalent. It, it wasn't as inclusive as it is now. I mean, there was definitely a type that they liked, a body type. Um, it was, it was just a different environment. I love what dance is now. It's so much more open to just body types and styles. And, um, it's just so different than when I was a, it was so different than when I was a, um, when I was a dancer. But, um, so when I tried to get back in, I just didn't fit the mold. You know, um, once I got into my early twenties, it was kind of hard. I, I was a classically trained ballet dancer. So then I tried to get into like theater and different types of dance that would be a little bit more open. And I just didn't have the same kind of passion for it right. than I did, than I did ballet. So I pretty much stayed away from it then um, until pole, until pole dancing. Then yes. I found, I, I found a way back in that didn't care how old I was. That's great. That's exactly. I mean, I have a similar story with gymnastics. Same thing. Like when you're 20 something, you can't go back and compete at level eight with a bunch of 15 year olds. That's yeah. just, it doesn't, that's not yeah. how it works. So when, you know, you can apply what you have trained for all your life to a different sport and that being pole or aerial, 
it's just an incredible feeling. And that's kind of like really what makes you just stick to that sport. So how many years have you been pole dancing now? Almost eight. So I just, um, just shy of my 43rd birthday did I start. And how are you so, like introduced to it? Like, did you just decide you wanted to take a class or did somebody bring you along? You know what? Uh, one day I was just, a girlfriend of mine called me and she's like, do you know there's a pole dance studio that's like two miles from your house? Because at the time it was. Hmm. And so I was looking to do something different. Um, I had a, a very strong yoga practice, but I also taught a lot. I was teaching like 50 yoga classes a week, but no lie, about 50 classes a week. And so my yoga practice became kind of not something I enjoyed doing on, like I still practiced um, on my own, but it wasn't giving me the same kind of uh, excitement that I, or I, I don't know if excitement's the right word, but it just yeah. really wasn't doing it for me in terms of, right. and I really did want to do something just for me. I think my yoga practice started to feel like something I was doing for my students more than I was doing for me. Mm. Um, and so I went to a pole dancing class and I actually went with a girlfriend and she absolutely hated it. And I was like 10 minutes into it and I was yeah. like, I love this and I'm never leaving. It, because to me, it was, it was the embodiment of everything I've ever done. It was dance. It was strong because I never really left the gym. I always consistently went to a gym and weight trained. I wasn't as big and as strong as I was when I was a competitive bodybuilder, but I was strong when I started pole dancing. So I could invert like the first time I went to class, you know, it was like, yeah. like you know, um, I didn't know what I was doing, but I could, I could do things, but it was another, like all of a sudden I could dance again. And, but it was like, I said, it was like the embodiment of everything I've done, yoga, Pilates, weight training, right. ballet, you know, it was just kind of like everything all in one, one spot, you know, it was yeah. great. Yeah. That's totally the same, same thing. I went with a friend. She was like, no, nah, I'm not about this. And I was like, yes, this is it. Yeah. I mean, she was so funny. She was like, I hate the way my skin looks on the pole. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, but I just, I absolutely love it. And I took like a small, of course, I don't do anything small. So I started and I started taking classes like every day and mm -hmm. the owner to the studio really great lady. She um, asked me to teach, start teaching Pilates there. So I started teaching like within a, just a couple weeks of, of being there. Um, not pole, but uh, yeah. Pilates and like bar class and stuff like that. And I competed uh, my first year, full year of training. I started competing. I just couldn't do it small. I just fell in love yeah. with it and I just kept going. So I competed for a couple of years. I, I got a little burned out and I took a yeah. little time off. And now I, I, I came back about a year ago. So I'm just kind of getting my my feet back underneath me so how how long did it take because I have the same thing this is so funny uh it's just like a parallel so like when you compete and you know you're you're doing competition practice and you get burned out how long did you take off to kind of like recenter and like be able to have the fun with with pole again it was it took me a good it wasn't a year it was a good like six months or so until I for me I think the competition so of course, because of my age, I was competing in like master's division competitions and there aren't, there aren't a lot of them. There aren't a lot of competitions that offered master level comps. So you to submit a video, you know, you got chosen for the competition. They were always involved traveling because they were never local. I absolutely loved that. I met people from all over the world. I loved competing, but I started to put a 
an incredible amount of pressure on myself because the very first competition I competed in was a national competition because, again, there weren't a lot of competitions mm. for master levels competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I placed second. And I kind of wish in some ways I wouldn't have placed in that competition because after that, like nobody knew me going in there. So it was kind of just like, I was a surprise. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, um, people started like, you know, knowing who you were. And I, I just, I never didn't want to not place, you know, if I didn't place, I felt like I failed, you know, and it, I just, I did it to myself. I just, um, I just kept pushing myself and pushing myself and um, it got to the point, like, I think the last competition I was in, I actually fell Mm. and I just, I really, really wasn't even prepared as well as I usually was. And I just, I was devastated and I was just like, no, I need to stop putting so much pressure on myself because it's like, for what? I'm supposed to be having fun, you know? Um, So I took a little time off and I actually started training with a contortion trainer. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. And I loved it. I love her and she's wonderful. And um, she helped me fix some things like that was like kind of wrong with my body too, which was mm-hmm. really good. She comes from a place of real strength, uh, active flexibility and strength that through yoga and stuff, I did a lot more passive work. Yep. And um, I really just started enjoying that and focusing on that. So when I came back to pole, yeah. I, I had a different body. <laughs> right. I wasn't as strong in some ways. Like in some ways I lost a little strength. So I'm just kind of getting that back. Right. But um, my active flexibility is so much better than it was. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to be a little bit better than I was at 51 than I was at, you know, 48. That's kind of cool, right. you know. But, yeah. um, but now, of course, I'm competing again because yeah. I can't stay away from it. But it's yeah. local. Yeah. And I'm, and it's in Philadelphia, so I don't have to travel. And for the first time ever, I'm not competing against people my age. Oh, when is this competition? At the end of June. Okay, you're almost there. But I know. I went into like an open level okay. competition and I'm really yeah. kind of challenging and pushing myself, but in a good way. I feel good about it. I don't yeah. feel like weirdly pressured about it at all, to tell you the truth. Good. You know? I think that's a very common thing for athletes in general. Like I think the last episode we were talking with Kelsey Heenan about like perfectionism and how just being an athlete, like one, you got the pressure on yourself because you have these high standards for yourself, but it can also affect you in so many different areas of your life. So just kind of you as a person, how do you feel like, do you feel like you add pressure to yourself in other situations in life? Like how does the athlete in you kind of trickle into the other areas of your life? You know, honestly, um, I don't think that it has, um, in a lot of ways, because I'm a parent. So I have three older children Mm -hmm. and I think in some ways it's made me, I'm a much more patient parent. Mm because of my, of how hard I can be on myself at times. And I, and I know that, and I don't want my children to, to be that way. In a a lot of ways, I want them to feel, be more comfortable with themselves, like not, not work hard and push themselves, but it's, it's actually helped me find a little balance. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I can see, you know, where, um, 
maybe like I didn't want that to carry into being a parent, like trying to be the perfect parent or have the perfect kids even, you know, my kids will do this, my kids will do that. Like I, um, it, it actually made me a little bit more relaxed because it, it, even as a dancer, it was a bit of a detriment. Um, I was so hard on myself that I often didn't take breaks. I didn't eat well. And when I was a dancer, it was, was my food was really a problem. You know, I didn't take care of myself in that way. Right. Um, it's, it's actually, um, made me see a lot of how, like, I, I can really kind of just beat, beat myself up. And so uh, it's in, in, in terms of other aspects of my life, I've been able to kind of find a little bit more balance, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know? That's, so, I wonder if that's also just something that changes, like you said, when you become a parent, because you yeah. see, um, and I wonder if any of our listeners can relate to that. And if you do, definitely share your thoughts. Um, and I wanted to touch on something else as well. You mentioned when you were a dancer, like your, your eating was the issue. And when I was a gymnast, like it was not, I didn't, no, <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was just like, you just because you burn it off too. So you're just not like, you're not consciously aware of how you're fueling your body. So mm-hmm. how, how important or like what role does nutrition play? It's huge us? for me now. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's huge for me now. Yeah. So as a ballet dancer, as a young ballet dancer too, in an George Balanchine area where dancers were like tall and 80 pounds, mm-hmm. um, I didn't eat very much so that I, I wasn't tall, but I was small. Mm. So I could, I could, um, I kind of fit that other more like wafy kind of mold. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was the pressure to remain that way. So, you know, I was a, you know, you're 13, 14, 15, it's easy. 16, 17, 18, not Mm -hmm. so easy. You know, because your body changes, you go through puberty, things start changing, you know? Yeah. Um, I could always eat whatever I wanted when I was a young girl, not really care about it until I got to be around 16 or 17. And I remember I was like 90 pounds and I was dancing. I was getting ready actually to go and dance with another company. And the artistic director of the company that I was dancing with at the time had said to me, you know, she's like, you might want to lose a couple pounds before. You. I mean, a dance teacher would never say that to anybody now. <laughs> yeah, right. You might want to lose a couple pounds before you go away. And I was like, like I said, maybe 90, 94 pounds or so, you know. Um, and then, so I, I did, I lost a couple, you know, I just stopped eating really. You know, it's like horrible, but you just cut back. You don't know enough. Like you just start, you cut back on calories at first. Mm-hmm. But when I started losing the weight, I started getting noticed and I started getting parts. And so, mm-hmm. um, but then I couldn't stop because then you were kind of afraid of, well, if I gain a pound, I lose a yeah. You know, not understanding that you're eating for fuel, your body burns a certain amount of calories anyway. You know, there wasn't that same concept of nutrition. No one talked to me about nutrition. Suddenly you weigh 75 pounds. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, it, and your intention was never to weigh 75 pounds. It was just to not lose your edge, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? So, yeah. um, and it would be like, and the food I ate was horrible. It would be like a Snickers bar or um, like a bowl of cereal in the morning or something like that. Mm. And that completely changed actually when I, like, I actually joined a gym. So I was really thin. I weighed 80 pounds when I graduated high school and my legs were starting to lose strength. So I joined a gym to actually get stronger. And that's when I started getting interested in like weightlifting and 
And so that whole changed my perception of nutrition because when you're weightlifting and bodybuilding, your nutrition plays like such a huge role. And I started to understand really how important food was and not just food, but good nutrition, you know? Um, So I learned a lot through like the supplements that I was taking when I was a bodybuilder. I take many of the same ones now, just vegan supplements because I'm vegan now. But, um, you know, understanding that protein and carbohydrates and what's good and what's not. And, um, you know, just the amino acids and, you know, if I exert myself in a certain way, I have to do this, this, and this. And as I've gotten older, it's absolutely crucial for recovery. I mean, if I don't eat well, I don't recover. I don't recover well. Like I know that I have to eat well. I have to take care of myself. I have to hydrate. I have to get enough protein. And as a vegan, that's, you know, something I really have to be mindful of. But um, if I'm not, supplements really do help me now at this, at this point when I'm training as hard as I am, but like I take a hydrating amino, it's just a, I put a powder in a liquid. It's a vegan supplement that helps a protein powder. If I feel like I'm really kind of missing a little, but um, if I didn't eat well, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. I know that for sure. Wow. So I have a couple things from there. It's like, okay, I mean, as a vegan, how are you making sure that you're getting, you know, your full, everything that your body needs and training and feeling yourself adequately for how you So I do, I do feel like your body tells you, like I'll crave certain things. So if, if I'm not, um, but at this point, I pretty much know how I have to eat or, you know, I I pretty much know what I have to do to, um, to have the energy, to have the strength to, but for me, it's muscle soreness. If I don't eat well, like it's one thing to be sore, you know, you train hard. Um, but inflammation and muscle soreness are the hardest things for me. Like if I don't eat well, I start noticing that my joints start hurting. Um, it takes me longer to recover in between my workouts. So I eat uh, for, for the most part, like low inflammatory foods for the most part, like I try and eat things that, um, will help with that. I do take turmeric and, um, like a high dose of two turmeric, uh, turmeric every day. Um, which does help. I try and stay away from a lot of like over the counter anti-inflammatories only because it's not good to take them every day, but I do feel like you can eat, um, what right. you need to help with inflammation. So, yeah. um, I do. And I feel like the older you get, the more important that becomes. I think it's important for everybody. I mean, if I knew what I knew as a young girl, um, maybe I'd still be dancing, you know, I don't know, but you don't, you know, it's, but nutrition plays like I can't eat. It's different. Like I see some of these younger girls making me crap and come into the studio and hardly warm up and do like, I can't do that. (laughs) Not me. I can't drink. I can't do, I just have to, I have to eat and, um, come in and warm up for at least an hour. I like, before I practice, I have to warm up at least an hour wow. before I practice on the pole. So it's, it's a long workout. So I need to make sure that I'm eating well to uh, accommodate that. So. Exactly. And on the topic of just kind of like prepping and, and recovering, I know, I know recovery is very, very, very important. So you've got the food, the fuel aspect. Um, and, and you mentioned, you know, contortion training. So like active flexibility. So how, how does active flexibility help you kind of just sustain, prevent injury because you train a lot. So you want to make sure that you're recovering and there's no such thing as like overtraining it's under recovering. So Mm -hmm. what role does that active flexibility play for you? It's been huge for my shoulders. 
I have to say, because um, especially as an aerialist, if you're pulling any kind of aerial work, Lira straps, yeah. um, that you are doing a lot of overhead pulling or grabbing, spinning with one arm, yeah. um, you need mobility in your shoulders to be able to do certain pull moves, and you just have to, but you also have to have the strength. And so I don't do I do zero passive um, shoulder flexibility work. All the flexibility work that I do is um, through strength. So I don't do weight assisted flexibility work. Like I would never put like a dumbbell in my hand and have it pull my shoulders back or something Mm -hmm. like that. You know, Um, it's been huge for my shoulders. I actually tore my rotator Mm -hmm. um, a few years ago before I started training with a contortion trainer and understanding active flexibility because I was working on a needle scale and the Phoenix. And if you know what the Phoenix is, that one arm static spin. Mm -hmm. And I was also doing all this shoulder rotation, working on my needle scale. And I ended up with a rotator tear. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's been, it's been crucial for me to do like not, I don't do any passive stretching. It's all dynamic for the most part for my upper body. Um, I do a lot of bridge work. A lot of, um, a lot of my back bends, involves holding bridges for extended oh. periods of time oh, <laughs> oh man yeah i know, you know <laughs> that keep pushing up that push 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 you know yeah. up through the shoulders and handstand work i do a lot of handstand work to help with my shoulders too it helps a lot um and i i like i do do shoulder stretches they're just not passive you know right. they're just they're just right. it's just active work mm-hmm. exactly yeah yeah, I tore my labrum, I think, a few years ago. A lot of us do. We end up having shoulder yep. stuff. And that's what took me out for a little while. And then I came back and I was not as strong. I did some contortion as well. And like the active flexibility is so important. I just, I, I've been working on my bridges too. I'm like, oh my God, 30 seconds. Okay, I'm done. So <laughs> it's like, yeah. I need to push back to that uncomfortable place. But that's also where it's helpful to have a coach and to have a yep. person to remember your why. So for you, what is your why? Like why, why be fit? Why be in shape? Why do this? Because I love it. And I don't think I really need to have any other reason to be honest. Like I've, I had somebody ask me this not too long about what motivates me. And like, I don't really need motivation. I don't like, I, I very rarely need to give myself pep talks to practice um, or to train. I like competing is fine. Um, I actually have a little stage fright at, at my age now. So like, that's a little something, but I love the work. I love, I love having goals. I love setting goals. I, I like training. I, I like, like setting very like week to week goals. I enjoy the work. I don't, I totally do it because I love it. And I think it's important that people find something that they do just purely because they love doing it. And I, t- I tell my kids that too, like maybe it is the career you choose to, you know, whatever you choose to be when you grow up or whatever, whatever. but you have to have something that you just love to do for the pure enjoyment of doing it. And that it's not um, because I need to prove something to somebody or to myself or that. um, And I, you know, I do love the fact that I'm older and it, I do know that that's inspiring. I do appreciate that. And but, and I guess in some ways I do hope to inspire people to, it's not just pull, it's anything that you want to do that you just find joy in doing, because I think like right away you do something and people know if you're going to profit from it, like, are you going to make money from it? Are you going to do this? It's like, 
no, like, why do I have to? <laughs> like, yeah. Why can't I just love doing something? Right. You know, it's just, so that's really why. That's, that's amazing. Really and that's, that's so much of what I try and explain to people is if you are working out because you feel like you have to, or because you ate something and you're trying to burn it off, like that's not sustainable. There's, there's nothing that's pulling you to that. And if you don't like it, you're not going to do it. We avoid discomfort and pain and we, yeah. you know, we don't do that. So we have to find something that clicks with us, that works for us, something that we enjoy, we look forward to, because then we're going to do more of it. We're going to see more results. We're going to keep the motivation. Yeah. We're going to keep going. Yeah. So, and I love, uh, yeah, yeah. And I love the fact that, you know, I can do, that I can be better with age because I don't, I don't buy into all at it all that you have to stop something in doing something that you love because you just get too old. Like I don't buy it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm going to be, you know, someone who like beat someone who's 25. That's not really, that's not my goal, but yeah. my goal is to just keep improving. Mm-hmm. And then, and the day I stop improving, okay, maybe I'll just be like, all right, it's time to hang it up. I'm like, <laughs> but right now, like, I love the fact that my needle scale looks totally different now than it did when I was 45. Like, I like, po- I, I do will post a before and after picture sometimes like this was then and not because I want to be like, look what I did, but I want to say, this is possible. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to stop doing what you love doing because of a number. You can just keep going and keep going and just don't buy into the hype. Just keep doing the work. Shut yeah. one up. Yeah. Uh, I love that. So what is your last two kind of like summary questions? What is your advice to somebody who wants to find, you know, their purpose or can't figure out something that sticks or they don't know what they like. What's your advice to them if they want to have a purpose and they want to see results? I would say not to not stop trying to find something, you know, um, and to try not to have, I know this is hard. This is really hard, but expectations like, Mm. you know, um, I have a, a son that, that can do all kinds of things, you know, like he can write and he can draw, he can paint. And what he's focusing his like career intentions are, aren't really like his strongest things. Like, like, <laughs> like, um, but he's doing it just because he loves it. And yeah. I'm going to keep fostering that, you know, but I, I just think, you know, sooner or later, you're going to find something that you enjoy doing, you right. know, whether, whether it's co- like, like I was just talking to this young girl, she's like 20 some nine years old. She's been in college and she said all her life she's loved baking. And she was like, why didn't I just go to culinary school? And now she's going to culinary school in Chicago. But, and that's, it's never one of those things where it's like, it's ever too late. And that's what I want to, like, that's, I think what I really want to tell people is you can do, I've done 50 million things. I like, I have had a couple different careers. I've done so many different things, you know, you can constantly reinvent yourself. Yeah. You can constantly have fun. Your life is your life. It is. That's it. You just got to stop thinking that you have to live it one certain way. Just keep living. And the fear of failure or the fear of something else is, is most often what holds people back. Yeah. There's really failure to me is just, um, I don't even know if, I don't even know if I think about it very much, you know, Mm. um, focus is elsewhere failing it's okay. Like I might go in this comp and get blown out and not prepare, not, um, not even place. And I don't, wouldn't necessarily see it as a failure if I felt good about it. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, um, yeah, we can get really wrapped up, get into our heads about 
failing. I don't really know what that means. You know, um, you just have to keep, if failing, sometimes my biggest failures have turned into my, the best things that I've ever done in my life. You know? Wow. Uh, it's just it's led me to something else that was even better. I, I mean, I know that sounds so corny or so cliche, but it's just true. It's yeah. just true. You just have to, uh, I, I, I guess I, really, one of the things I really just want to show my kids through my, like through my pole journey is that um, you absolutely can be 51 and still absolutely 100% enjoy your life. That it doesn't have to be all about everybody else. You know, like, they're very important to me and they know that. And I'm like, I drop everything to help them, but they also know I have my own thing. And I think that's important that I've maintained my own identity and yeah. still been their mom, you know? Yeah. Um, and I want them to see that they, they don't have to lose themselves to, to please other people. You know, they can have their own life and, and, um, and still have good relationships, have good careers and just stay true to themselves. And, you can have 50 million different tries, uh, you know, over and over and over again. It's just never too late. I love that. And I also wanted to add on to that when you were starting your sentence about failure, um, trying to remember where I was going with this was, was, you know, if your fear of failure is holding you back so much, you know, the failure is what you need to lean into. Um, and think like you're saying you're just not focused on that yeah that's and that's what keeps you happy. yeah it's almost a little bit like I hate that this sounds like so right now like manifesting you know like thing but you know if you're going to focus yeah. on failing guess what you're going to fail <laughs> you know and that's why I say do something because you love it and not because you have the expectation of it taking you here 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 or here you know, just do it because you enjoy it. And then I, I don't see that there's a, any way that you could fail if you yeah. were loving what you were doing or enjoying what you were doing, you know? Um, and failing is like not trying. Exactly. Or just kind of being like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm too old or I'm too heavy or I'm too this, I'm too that and I can't do this. It's never true. <laughs> you really, there's always room and you can always do what you want to do. That's it. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. Last thing, and we ask this to every guest who comes on, is to you, what does it mean to train like a gymnast? Be consistent. I think consistency is one of the most important things. Mm. Be consistent. Yeah. Uh, consistency in your training, consistency in your thinking, consistency in your belief. Um, and I guess consistency and being dedicated would probably be the two words that would come to my, to my mind, persevere. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, there is room for having fun and, and kind of um, it's like freestyling a little bit, like, you know, but consistency to me is the most important training consistently. So I, when I think of a gymnast, a dancer, anyone who gets to a certain level, I, you have to know that they were—they showed up every morning at 3 a.m. before the the um, before the studio opened. You know, um, yeah. they, they don't miss practice and um, they don't skip because they want to go out. I hate to say this, but hanging out with friends or you know, do, they're, yeah. they're there, they're showing up, they're doing the work. So consistency to me 
is the most important. That's, I, whole, I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's so true. That's how you- Because people, yeah, people ask me about, they'll come to me all the time about flexibility. I'll have flexibility yeah. questions constantly. First of all, I was not born flexible and that drives me crazy when people <laughs> say that. I'm not lucky to be flexible. I mm -hmm. work my ass off to be flexible. Yeah. But I'm consistent, and that's what I tell them. It's consistency like everything else. I practice, I practice, and I practice. But again, I practice because I enjoy it. So if you, if it's a labor like to yeah. practice, then rethink it. Maybe it's not really something you want to do. But um, consistency is just the key in anything. Just be consistent. That's such a yeah. perfect ending. Oh, I love it. I'm so glad. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I love that you were able to share your story and I hope that it helps our listeners and that it can start some conversations and some thought processes. So you want to go ahead and just sign off with where people can find you and if anybody has any other questions. Okay. Thank you so much for, um, for listening. I welcome anybody's questions or input for that matter. Um, you can reach me on social media, predominantly on Instagram at Lisa Brastelli Visco. Um, is my Instagram handle. I am on Facebook, but that's really just kind of like family stuff. But <laughs> the Instagram account is where you want to be. Um, and also through email, Lisa and Bisco at yahoo.com. Perfect. Well, I thank you again. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you so much for listening. I know there are hundreds, thousands of podcasts out there, and you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed this episode, there's more coming to you, so be sure to hit subscribe to not miss our next episode. If you're interested in training like a gymnast, go ahead to trainlikeagymnast.com and see if you qualify. Until next time, show the world what you've got. Be outstanding.